0: You would turn with me to First Thessalonians, chapter three. We'll begin there in just a moment. First Thessalonians chapter three. Appreciate the time for us to come together today, and for the opportunity to speak with you, and for us to share together in looking at the Word of God. Hopefully, we have some things that will be a benefit to each and every one of us. I want to talk to you this evening about measuring. We've talked about this past week about Faith with Brother Kenny Moore, and he did a great job in thinking about and talking about with us as we went through some of those concepts and aspects about faith. But what about measuring spiritual growth? How do you do that? I know Brother Kenny even expressed his really realization that that's a tough thing to do. And even with a title like the one I've chosen this evening... At a lesson that, by the way, didn't just come together this week and try to come alongside or up and along the um, following up with Brother Kenny. But I can't help but thinking about measuring and measuring we like to do. We like to measure, we, especially when we're children, we like to kind of stand up against the door facing there and have mom or dad to mark the mark where we're as tall as we are, and as we get a little bit taller to make another mark, come on, dad, measure me again, come on, and you see that, well, you're getting taller, and if you were like me in my house, you'd say, well, you're almost as tall as your mom. And my mom has visited here, and I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't watch this, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway, that didn't get very tall, and I didn't get much taller than that, but um, we like to get taller. We like to measure and to see the marks go up the door facing there, and to see that we are growing, and that we're increasing in our size physically. In 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter, Paul writes to the brethren in Thessalonica, brethren who had been visited by Timothy, and Timothy had returned to Paul and brought Paul a report and talking to him and reporting about those brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, and says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. Paul gets the report from Timothy and says, we've gotten a good report from him. He wants to, He knows that you'd like to see us. We'd like to see you. But drop down to verse 12 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He, Paul says, and may the Lord in make your increase and abound in love. Make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all we do for you, as we do for you. Paul recognizes that there is something to be said for increasing in their love and increasing in the way that they grew. As you turn to 2 Thessalonians with me for just a moment in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and in verse 3, Paul, as he writes to that church in Thessalonica, writes to them acknowledging and realizing that they're going through a lot. They're going through an intense suffering. They're being persecuted, and it's persecution that arises, and that is outside of them, and they can't do anything about. There's just no way for them to control it, and there's nothing that they can do except to endure that. But even in the midst of that persecution, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, in verse 3, Paul says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Their faith grew abundantly. Paul said, I see that. I can recognize that. And your love is abounding and growing as well. Those words remind me of the words of Jesus when he talked about what is the greatest commandment to those that would ask. And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It seems that Paul has that same concept in and of himself. But how do we measure again What do we normally do? Well, the realization is, for most of us, especially physically, is after a while, we stop growing. We stop getting taller, and just as we we realize, well, I'm not going to make the ball team this year. I'm not going to go down the basketball court anymore, or I'm not going to be big enough to play this sport. And that's a disappointment to young people a lot of times. But we realize that process stops. And I wonder if sometimes and if somehow that doesn't transfer and translate to us, spiritually. And we think, well, that's just kind of the process of life. That's just the way things go. And the question is, why do we stop growing even spiritually? And I would acknowledge to myself that I think that's probably usually the way we think about it. We're very excited when we obey the gospel. We're babes in Christ, and we're so thrilled to death that we can't be participating in the work as a a male. I understand when you're a young man, you say, I want to do some things together. I want to lead prayer. I want to lead a song. I'm thankful to those that had the opportunity, gave me the opportunity and encouragement to be able to do that kind of thing. But even as ladies, older women, need to be encouraging our young women and make them excited about continuing to serve the Lord and to serve in all the ways that is possible. But what happens after a while well, we're not quite so enthusiastic about it. And maybe we just simply say, well, we've stopped growing in some way or another, and we've acknowledged that of ourselves. But how does that happen? I'd suggest that probably a couple of ways. One way that I think that probably happens is we may just stop listening. We stop listening to the things that even that Jesus would say. And Jesus would say there in Matthew the 13th chapter and verse 15, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. And I recognize fully that as Jesus says that, he's talking about people on the front end of their faith, at the beginning of their faith, and they're, they don't even want to put faith in him as the Christ. They don't want to hear what he has to say and listen and to see what he has to see what for them. But we need to think, make sure that we don't stop doing the same thing. How many sermons have you heard? How many sermons even this past week you've heard in lessons you've heard about faith? Oh, we're going to talk about faith again? We're going to talk about that? Oh, okay. We kind of doze off and kind of just, if not physically, kind of mentally and Think, well, there's not really much more for me to hear that I haven't heard. I've heard it for years about all of those things. And maybe at certain points we just kind of stop listening, and so we stop growing. We stop listening and perhaps we stop working. Paul says to the Corinthian or Colossian brethren, Colossians says in Colossians 3 verses 23 and 24, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive. You will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I fully understand that if we do the things that we do, and we do it to impress and excite, and maybe even gain the favor of people around us, we may get a little bit of that. But Paul says that's not why you need to serve the Lord. You need to serve Him because you're doing the work that you're doing spiritually, and you're doing it heartily because you are serving the Lord. It is for His favor. It is for the recognition that i not just simply want His recognition, but I want to do it for His glory. I want to honor Him. I want to serve Him. And to recognize that He is the greatest. And He is the one that is holy. And He is the one that I serve. But maybe after a period of time, we've stopped listening so well. And maybe we've just simply stopped working. And maybe we've stopped developing. In other ways, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 5 Says to those that he writes to, he's writing to Hebrews, by the way, he is writing to Jewish Christians. They've probably looked at, as you read that book, you recognize. That they have probably left off some of the things of the of the will of Christ and following Jesus as Christians, and have gone back to some of the things of the law, and they've gone back to bring those things alongside, or even to layer them over top of the things that go along with serving Jesus. But Paul says, "No, you need to leave those things. You need to set them aside, and you need to just simply be working and focusing on serving Jesus as a Christian and one who is serving Christ." And so he says to them in verse 11 of Matthew or of Hebrews chapter 5 about this we have much to say about what well he's talking about the priesthood he's talked about the priesthood that goes back all the way to the priesthood of Melchizedek that is representative of Christ he says we have a lot to say about that it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing that sounds familiar what what happens maybe why do we stop growing Maybe because we've stopped hearing, we've stopped listening. Verse 12, "...for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You have need of milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child." But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines or elementary doctrines of Christ and to go on to maturity and laying, not laying again, a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. What are we talking about again? We're talking about faith. What? Well, The writer here says, we don't need to lay that foundation again. Well, I would say that, yes, we need to make sure that we've got that solid foundation, but maybe we need to make sure that us individually and personally are gaining and growing and learning even more from the Word and the will of God, and that we are listening to those things, that we're working in His service, and that we are developing in our spirits and our minds and in our faith towards God. That's the whole purpose of us talking about faith that it will grow. But how do you measure that? Or what happens when you stop growing? Well, we do what we just simply do when we are physically stopped growing is we just simply stop measuring. And that's because that's the easiest thing to do. We stop growing and what do we do? Well, we just simply stop measuring. We've stopped the process and maybe even spiritually we get to those points we feel like, well, I guess that's about as far as I'm going to go. That's about as much as I need to know and we kind of set a limit to ourselves there at that point. You know, I know all of my books of the Bible, and I know the, I know the different things that we talk about in Bible class, and the, I've gone through the ch- children's classes, maybe even myself, and learned all of those things. But we've stopped measuring and thinking that, well, the process has just stopped. Why do we do that? Well, I guess I would say on one hand that it's because that is a challenge. And I would say this evening, even as I talk about these things, it is extremely challenging for me to measure myself. It's challenging. Because how do we usually measure? Well... We either do a quantitative measurement. I would say that probably our shepherds find the challenge in some of this because this is where the challenge is, is to look at those that they are overseeing and looking at their spiritual well-being and their spiritual welfare. And what's the propensity to do is to make that a quantitative measurement. Well, how many times are they at worship? And how many times have they been for this activity? Or how many times have they done this? Or how often do we see them? That's quantitative. We can put a number to those things. But the more even challenging thing to do is to make it a qualitative measure. What is the quality of my faith? To where has my faith grown and what is that faith extended to and how has that prevailed itself and how is that extended from my heart and from my life? That's a challenge. I tell you what, that's hard. And the biggest challenge is, is for me to do that for myself. And What happens is, is that I feel that not being able to do that, maybe I go back to thinking that, well, I guess there's not much use to keep measuring because I'm really not sure I'm still growing. And I think that's probably, that's because all of that just comes in with the challenge and with those type of measuring aspects. That's just simply the easy solution. The easy solution is just to come along and just no longer to measure. Because what happens And I I fully do not want this evening. By the way, this is kind of just, I guess, a side point. This is not a lesson to bring about and to come to you and to make you just simply to feel bad about yourself. This is not a guilt lesson. I don't want you because if there's anyone to feel guilty about anything, it's me. And yet, if there was one that as I looked at this aspect and this idea again for this evening and preparing for it, I thought, boy, how much more do I need that myself to think about What are we doing in talking about measuring spiritual growth? What do I need to do? Because I don't want to feel bad when I think about things like that, and so I just simply don't think about it very often. I don't think about it, and I don't do that. Maybe I think I'm lacking the growth as much as I should, and maybe I'm just simply, well, maybe I just don't have that ability to do that. I'm not really wise enough to keep measuring and growing. We hear the wise man, in the book of Proverbs, places like Proverbs 9, verses 9 and 10, where he says, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And we say, well, I want to be wise. I want to be instructed and be willing to accept the instruction and to get wiser, to gain that wisdom. I want to be righteous, to be right in the sight of God, and I really want to increase in the things that I learn. And perhaps that's a challenge for me. And when that comes to the point that I've maybe thought I've stopped growing, and maybe I just feel like, well, I guess the easiest thing to do is to stop measuring, what do we do? At that point, I would suggest that probably too many times the ability or the opportunity is for us and the propensity is for us to start comparing. We've stopped growing, we feel like, we've stopped measuring as a result. And so as a result then, we go and we start comparing ourselves to those that are around us. And that makes for sometimes good results and bad results as well. We start comparing. Paul, when he was defending his ministry of his apostleship and those types of things in the book of 2 Corinthians, there were some that had come along and questioned all of that with its validity. And if Paul really wasn't, they would say an apostle And so he makes a statement in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, not that we declare or dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. I always remember the other phraseology. They've measured themselves by themselves, and they certainly continue to do that. They've done that very thing. Paul says that doesn't gain much. That doesn't gain much to just simply compare ourselves with ourselves and to do that very thing. I mentioned it in our Bible class actually this morning, but probably was there in my mind. But let's look at Luke the 18th chapter. Luke chapter 18, where there's an occasion that there are two that are standing in the temple and that are praying. And in Luke chapter 18, as Jesus talks about those that are praying, a Pharisee and a tax collector. They're from one end of the perspective to the other, one end of the spectrum to the other, one perceived as being the most righteous and the, most, the one that would be the most zealous and determined to do what is right in the sight of God, the Pharisee. And he's doing every and giving everything he can to make them just simply to do exactly the right things, to check off all the boxes and to make sure he's not left anything undone, even to the point of counting seeds on his table in the kitchen. And the Pharisee has done those things. The tax collector, well, you know what he is. He's just simply a traitor. He's working for this foreign government, he's working for the Romans, and he's taking taxes for them. And even, as so many of them were indicated as doing, would take even more so, and so it lined his pockets and gained more and more for him in doing so. So there's the perspective is given. And he told that parable, Jesus did, there in Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. He told the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. but beat his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humiliated, hum, uh, humbled. Excuse me. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. What do we do when we see the challenge of measuring? Maybe we've stopped growing. We think we think that we just simply need to stop measuring. And, well, I guess we'll compare ourselves with others. We commend ourselves, maybe like that Pharisee. I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? I I'm doing okay. Why, why, I've been around for this long. I've been serving the Lord. Why, you know, I always put the right clothes on. I always come and do the right things. Why, I'm not doing anything especially prevalent, and it's obvious to other people. But, well, maybe there are a whole lot of other people who are doing bad things. Why, he even enumerates some of those that are, are those people. They're those who are extortioners and men like that. There's an arrogance. He treats others with contempt. That is, those he's speaking of. That's why Jesus tells this. They they just simply look down the nose at others around them. They think, boy, I can't believe you can't get your life together. Why, can't you do any better than that? Surely you should know how much there is a true, one almighty God. You should know how much he loves you. I've never told you, by the way, that. But you ought to know that, right? You ought to be able to pull some things together. Why, I'm doing so much better than that person. And we identify their failings. Look at the things that they're doing. And we seek to convince God then. Verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Lord, look at all the good things I'm doing. But the other man was a picture of humility. The contrast that is given here. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 2 For with the judgment you pronounce, your will, you will be judged. And with your measure you use, it will be measured to you. So here's the big problem that we have. We feel like we've stopped growing in some ways, and maybe we have, surely, we have stopped measuring. And what that all leads to, I really think, is that we stop believing. We stop believing. Not that we never. I don't believe in God anymore. Yes, I believe in God. In fact, I'm still a Christian. I'm one who believes in Jesus. But we stop believing in the, the opportunity for us to grow, the opportunity for us to increase in our faith, to have spiritual growth, and we say that well, I just can't do it. I can't grow. Why I've been around for this long? This is just simply, that's the furthest I've gone. And in fact, you don't realize that's the type of person I am. I was kind of born this way, and that's the way I live, and that's the way I'll die. And maybe that's just simply the realization or just simply the thought that I'm not believing in the change that could happen to me and for me. I deny the effectiveness of the persistent and long-term growth that could have. And and once again, I'll tell you, I I love to listen to podcasts that have to do with leadership. Leadership podcasts, the great leaders as well as leaders that are not so very well-known. And what is it that is often talked about and often told? They are the things that just simply say that you need to consistently do the aspects and do the things that bring uh, consistent long-term growth. And they have all their phrases to what delineates that and what identifies that. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, in Matthew chapter 13, if you look there for just a moment, in verse 31, Jesus says, "...He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree." so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable, The kingdom of heaven is like a woman, who hid three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Jesus says we need to realize that growth takes the time that it takes. There are sometimes, when we're young, especially young in the faith, we may think that, well, it all should have happened already. In fact, we read passages like Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul talks about the idea that there's things we need to put off, there need things we need to stop doing and we need to put on in order to grow, in showing our growth. And that's a, a principle that is valid and good. And I think it's a very practical principle that we need to put in place in our lives. And it's illustrative of several things that just simply are, are very practical for us to do. But maybe we get a little, I guess, challenging on ourselves and, and we get a little hard on ourselves. We think, well, boy, I'm just not doing as good as I thought I should. I'm not doing very well at all. I just, I'm just not doing, and I'm not sure I can. Okay, I encourage you, don't do that. If you're young and you're young in the faith, don't do that very thing. But give yourself and a determination, determine that I, I can do that, and the opportunity to don't stop believing that you can grow. Make sure that you do like that seed, that mustard seed. It's the smallest of the seeds. If you've got them, ladies, in your cabinet. I'm not even sure what you use them in or what you use them for. I'm sure there are some, I know there's some actually in our cabinet. But, uh, you know, whatever, they're just so tiny, they're minuscule. I thought, boy, what about bringing one for an illustration, but that wouldn't make any sense or wouldn't make opportunity to be able to be seen. It's the smallest of the seeds, Jesus said. And ladies who know about things that yield the fruit and and bring about in leaven itself. I'll tell you, you've Make yeast rolls. You'll have the most wonderful thing. I'm so, so thankful that my wife, Dana, she knows how to make yeast rolls. We have homemade yeast rolls every once in a while. And she makes them for events and to go places. Well, it's amazing. Because she makes those things up and sets them in the, in the bowl there and walks away and does so many other things. And comes back and the bowl is flown over almost because of the, of the bread that is overflowing there because something has influenced that itself in so many ways. Let me encourage you just in in this practical way, how in the world are we going to do that? And I would say just simply do one thing today that you will add to your growth. Say, well, that's generic. You're right. (laughs) That is, but I don't have the one thing for you to do. And I guess that's where we need to challenge ourselves to look at our own lives and look at our own faith and measuring of our spiritual growth, and say, what is it I need to work on? What is the one thing that I can do today to be able to make myself better today and in looking forward to tomorrow? Do that one thing today to add to your growth, and then do it again tomorrow, and then do it again. Because you see, that's the thing that will bring a continued or long-term growth. That's what will bring that about over time is if we keep doing those right things over and over again. In Mark, the fourth chapter, in verses 3 through 9, Jesus again said, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. I'm not going to read all of that. You heard it this morning from Brother Jason. What's the opportunity for that seed to grow? But certainly it's the soil, it's the heart that is a good and it's well prepared and willing to accept the Word of God. But it's also been tended to. It's also a soil that is in the right place with removal of the rocks and removal and to make sure that it's in the place that it's cared for, to make sure that it doesn't have other things that are going to spring up and are going to choke it out. Those weeds are pulled and those things are gotten out of the way in order for them to that seed to be able to grow. Because what does it do at the end of all of that? It produces. You say, well, I look around and I'm not producing near as much. You see, there is some that's producing or yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Well, that, that Christian, that brother over there, he's, is his is 100-fold times 10 compared to me. The, the point's not how many-fold, how, many, how much he is producing. It's what am I doing to grow and to just simply to do it today... And do it again tomorrow, and do it again tomorrow, and do it again, and do it today, so that I can grow. You see, I want the Word of God to come into my heart. I'm continually tending it and making sure that there's a place for it and making sure that I hear what God has to say, what Jesus has to say, because what's He say there in verse 9, there in Matthew's, or Mark's account in Mark chapter 4? He who has an ear to hear... Let him hear. What starts us down maybe the road to all of this? Maybe we've stopped listening. We've stopped listening along the way. And so as a result, we've stopped growing. We've stopped believing that we ever could grow. And I just simply encourage you this evening, is don't grow weary. Don't get to the point, surely to follow the words of Paul in Galatians 6 and verse 9, let us not grow weary for doing, in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So what do you do? I'd say go back to what we were saying a moment ago and that is what we need to do is we need to keep measuring. We need to keep measuring. You say, well, I don't see anything, just I don't see the marks continue to go up and they don't go up near as fast as I thought I was seeing them go up before, but Keep measuring. Keep measuring. Personally, keep measuring even quantitatively. Are you here when you can be here? Make sure you're measuring those quantitative marks that you know that you can always measure. But don't make it only that. Make it a qualitative. When I'm here, where's my heart? On day-to-day basis, where is my heart in service to the Lord? Where, Where am I putting my heart's focus and desire? Because it needs to be that way. Again, Ephesians 4, verse 15. Paul says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped with each part is working properly and makes the body grow that builds itself in, up in love. Keep measuring and do what Paul just said there to grow up with a body of believers. And let's do that for each other Boy, what a challenge it is sometimes for us just simply to come together and to go away, and we're not more, any more involved than in that in each other's lives. But let's get to know each other, and boy, we find ourselves with an opportunity then to be able to share in each other's lives and start believing in your growth potential again. Start believing, it, yes, I can grow. Yes, I can do that, and I can continue to grow, and then grow your faith like that mustard seed. Make sure that you do the very thing that is described. When the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, You know, Lord, why why couldn't we cast that spirit or that demon out? He said to them in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, Because your faith, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. You've probably heard the old preacher story where the preacher tells that and talks about that again. And then he says, the fellow that prayed that prayer about truly to, and read that passage and said, I want this to happen. And the one that looked at that mountain and says, I want it from there over to there. And the next morning he gets up with a wheelbarrow and a shovel and heads towards the mountain. Frivolous as that may seem to us, is that not kind of illustrative of what I said a moment ago? Do what you can do today, do it again tomorrow, and do it again the next day, and do it again the next day. And what we might find is we'll find ourselves growing spiritually. Find the faith to forgive, to increase our faith, as Jesus told the disciples to make sure that they had a faith of the grain of mustard seed. So when you talk about measuring spiritual growth, realize that even as Paul comes to the end of the book there in 1 Corinthians with all the challenges and all the problems that the Corinthians had, he gives them there towards the end of that chapter there in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Don't give up. Don't Stop measuring. Don't decide, that it, stop believing that it could ever happen. Make sure that you realize that the victory has already been won. The victory in Christ has already been accomplished. And that even with all the challenges they had, that they could continue to stand steadfast. They could not move for where they needed to be standing, to be always abounding in the work of the Lord. And know that it was not for nothing. It was something that was for everything, that their lives were about and remember that passage and remember 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 where Peter says, "But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the end of eternity. Amen." Measuring spiritual growth, well, it's a challenge for us. I hope in no way do I frustrate you in in illustrating that, but let me just encourage you. Don't look at your life spiritually and say, well, I've just stopped growing, so I'll stop measuring and do the easy thing. I'll stop comparing. At least I'm doing better than that other brother. I'm doing better than she is, that other sister. Let's make sure that we realize that we're not growing to show ourselves better than anyone else. We're growing in our faith. We're growing in the Lord, seeking to grow in service to Him. And so... If you're here this evening, realize that you have a faith. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And in that faith, I want to do what He wants me to do. I want to do exactly as He commands. Would you come tonight and put that faith to a determined action, a determined opportunity as you have tonight? To come and be believing in Him, to have that faith, to act out and, and a determined that you do as Jesus said, that he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. I want to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. If you have that desire tonight, we'd love to assist you with that. If you have the desire as a Christian, you look at yourself and you, you just simply, you saying, I'm not sure I'm growing. I'm not sure I'm really, and I've gotten pretty down on the opportunity or the prospect that I could. I'll tell you, there's shepherds here that love and care for your soul, that would love to take you just simply to a, to a place off to the side and just simply to to pray with you and for you, maybe in a public way, you would like for us to pray with you. We'd be glad to do that as well, and we'd love to give you that opportunity. If you'd like to make the express that, we'd encourage you to come to the front while we stand and while we sing.